0: Welcome back to Holy Snokes. It's me, Mia. What's
1: up? And it's me, Leslie. Sorry, I just spoke
0: over you. That's fine. I'm the boss. Yeah, you're you're the big mama. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. I am so excited to talk about today's film. Do you know why? Because your favorite song is in it. True, yes. My favorite piece of John Williams magic is in this movie Anakin's Betrayal. Oh, right. Yes, it's so good. Like, John Williams put crack in those notes. It's so good. (laughs) It goes on forever. Good. It is like a four minute long song, but it's also like the most important moment in all of Star Wars. So, like, yeah, you'd kind of want it to be long. Anyways, today we're talking about Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. I'm so ready. This has been like a work in progress for us to get to this point. So I'm so excited that we're like finally here talking about such a great film. I have to say, after watching it, I was
1: like, I need to go back and watch the first Star Wars. Well, 4, 5, and 6. And then I said, no. No. I'm not going to do that. Why not?
0: Because I've invested so much of my life and did this so far. Oh, my. Compared to me? Girl, this is your passion. Yeah.
1: It's it's not my passion. You are my passion. Your sister is my passion.
0: It's so cute.
1: Are we going to talk about Bad Batch? Because since our last
0: episode, Bad Batch has come out. Uh, Yeah, that's what I've been doing in my time. Let me tell you, 3 a.m. is the time to cry. I just don't know what I expected because I mean, spoiler alert, I absolutely love the Bad Batch and I already have a Bad Batch tattoo. So clearly like I'm sucking off the teeth of the show every single week. I'm like manifesting like, oh, are we going to see Rex? Who are we going to see? Like, are we going to see these characters from Clone Wars? Are we going to learn more about like the inhibitor chips or Omega or blah, blah, blah. And every week, like my prayers are answered but, like, in the most traumatic way. Dramatic or traumatic? Traumatic. Both, actually. Traumatic Uh, and dramatic. Should we give everybody a quick synopsis of what Bad Batch is? So, in Season 7 of Clone Wars, we're introduced to the Bad Batch, which is a group of genetically enhanced clones that have desirable mutations. Uh, The concept is originally designed by George Lucas himself when the original production of Clone Wars was still in development. Um, And he was, like, really involved in, like, the creative process of creating these characters. They had written um, two arcs for The Bad Batch in the middle of, like, the Clone Wars season that never got finished. And then, of course, Clone Wars was canceled. Um, And they released, like, the... The kind of like previs versions of it at like a Star Wars celebration. So you could kind of see like where it was like the, the very like bulky graphics of where they started like mapping out what the episodes would look like. Then we just never really like heard anything about it. And then in season seven, when it came back on Disney Plus, uh, the Bad Batch were in the first four episodes. And then it was kind of like, okay, well, Dave Filoni wouldn't like introduce them. If they weren't going to be important. And then like in July they were like, guess what? You're getting a TV show next year. So I have been not patiently waiting for this show to come out. (laughs) Yeah, I've been a pain in the ass to everyone that I work with. Everyone that I know. So I'm eating this this show up.
1: Well, and it actually has something to do with Revenge of the Sith. Because they have an... Let me see if I can get it right. An inhibitor chip in the clones that keeps them from going nuts. And in Bad Batch, their inhibitor chip, they take out, right? But in Revenge of the Sith, it activates from Order
0: 66? Was any of that right? (laughs) Yes and no. Damn it. When Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005, so this is like considered legends, so it's not part of canon anymore, but it was basically insinuated that the clones were so loyal to orders that like that was what they were bred to do was follow orders, is that when they got Order 66, they didn't question it because they were trained to just follow whatever order they were given. So that kind of makes Order 66 more like malicious and dark in knowing that like the jedi couldn't sense the betrayal of the clones because the clones really felt nothing orders were orders but in the clone wars the tv show dave and george kind of took it one step further and they were like okay well what if as part of the contingency of making sure that the clones follow through every single clone has an inhibitor chip." And what the chip does is it modifies their behavior to make sure that they comply with orders. So now it's brainwashing pretty much. Mm-hmm. And we see the effects a couple times in Clone Wars, starting in season six. And then it becomes a big part of season seven of, you know, Soka taking out Rex's chip in the finale and them escaping. But now Bad Batch. We're reintroduced to it because now we're in the Empire, so now we see Order Sixty Six from their point of view, and basically they're like, "Oh, our genetic modifications like did something to our inhibitor chip, so like we didn't respond, but Crosshair was the only one that did." That's right. So now he's part of the Empire, and the Bad Batch is on the run. I hate that it's released every week because like now I'm just going to be living in a state of extreme anxiety. Hmm. for the next week Dave Filoni can take my uh psychiatric bill because, <laughs> but also at the same time like we're now halfway through it and I'm like oh my god that means it's going to end well speaking of things
1: coming to an end Anakin Skywalker comes to an end in Revenge of the Sith so why don't we get started on this bad boy yeah
0: so I'll do my facts 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 facts, facts, facts. Revenge of the Sith, episode three, came out on May 19th, 2005. Its budget was $113 million. And its box office is $868.4 million. Ooh, don't get. So I do know that it's like a, one of the most successful films to ever come out on like a Thursday. <laughs> I do <laughs> I know, that. know that. But one thing that is really important about this movie is noting that it was both written and directed by George Lucas. Mm. That be kind of comes like a big thing that I feel like a lot of fans um, clutch to, of being like, oh, it's it's all George's mind. Like weird fanboys that are like, oh, the the genius of George Lucas. But then you also have to remember, when this film came out, just like every other Star Wars film, people absolutely either loved it or dis despised it. Now, I do remember seeing it in theaters, like, multiple times. When I was a kid, I felt like, you know, you're too young to really understand the whole betrayal aspect and Palpatine's, like, grand plan for constructing the war to put himself in power. Like, that's that's a big concept. But I do remember thinking that the film was just funny because of, like, the dialogue because as we talked before the if george tried to make the the dialogue very like shakespearean it just it comes off very interestingly on the on the big screen i mean it's not like i don't like sand level like there's nothing like that you. but yeah you. <laughs> um, you know i have brought peace freedom justice and security to my new empire and then obi like your new empire. Like, there's so many iconic lines that I definitely felt like me and friends joked around and like quoted a lot. But for some reason, in the past couple years, this film has gained like an insane cult following. Like, and I don't know if that's because of the emergence of the sequels and um, toxic fans needed something new to hate on, so they chose the sequels, and now they're like, "Oh, well, the prequels are really good." That's what I think it is. Um, Cause yeah, I I feel like nine times out of ten, if you ask a Star Wars fan what their favorite film is, they're gonna say Revenge of the Sith.
1: No, I don't believe that. I I honest, either that or Empire Strikes Back. I was actually going to look up where this ranked. And like Star Wars favorite or Star Wars fans favorite film. And I was thinking it'd be like nine. No, like
0: this. I feel like stereotypically people hate last Jedi and rise of Skywalker the most.
1: No, those are the best.
0: Um, Correct. <laughs> I feel like empire strikes back is always that film that even if you really aren't a star Wars fan, like you've just seen them once out is like your kind of go-to answer Mm -hmm. revenge of the sith i feel like either has two followings of it's a cinematic masterpiece it's so tragic it's a wonderful way to uh, describe anakin's fall to the dark which is how i feel or there's like the people that are so obsessed with it but when you ask them why they can't give you a solid answer and that just might be my generation because most of the people that I work with or I've gone to school with fall into that second category of they're like, oh, it's just so good. Last Jedi sucks. And they're like, all right, well, can you like, tell me what you liked about it or what you didn't like about Last Jedi? And they're like, no. <laughs> so, But like, I mean, I absolutely love Revenge of Sith. I always have loved it. Um, and I think it's honestly because of Order 66. Anakin's fall and how that will relate to Ben Solo's fall and how it ties in with the Clone Wars and how the Clone Wars TV show really kind of helps explain what's been going on between the three years of episode two and episode three. This is a three year gap of like the war itself going on.
1: Well, I guess I might fall into that second category of fans because as we all know, I've been waiting for this film because that's the one that Padme's like, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Uh, that's an iconic line. I will say I have a lot more respect for Padme after watching this film. Um because she was like, I'm not taking your crap anymore or not taking your crap, but more of questioning um Anakin's logic, which clearly he had none, but
0: I was, well, I was impressed. Yeah. I really like Padme in this film because um, the conversation between her and Anakin, where she's like, you know, what if the democracy that we've been fighting for no longer exists? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really powerful idea, especially now in our modern society, of understanding that democracy in its truest form does not exist. That there's no such thing as a, a perfect free society. Right. And... That someone like Padme can easily see through the corruption of the Senate that she's involved in and is like, hey, I think the fact that we've extended the chancellor's term past its limit is kind of suspicious. And, mm-hmm. you know, why do we even have to have this war? Like, if systems want us to secede from the republic, like, they should. And just really questioning it. But then you have someone like the Jedi Order who you would consider to be, you know, wise and understanding and all knowing, but they have just been sucked into this war from the very beginning.
1: We have this idea in our heads that Jedi are the chosen ones, that they're the enforcers of good and peace and justice in the system, that they're the ones we look up to. They're the good guys, but they're based upon the exact same system that all the bad guys are as well. They keep people down. They're the math, you know, you have the masters and the Padwan system. Um, so it's all about repression, just like everything else is. Um, so there is really no good guy and bad guy. There's really no, it's just an interesting concept. And it really came out in this episode I think, more than other episodes. So I just wanted to add that little piece in there.
0: No, I, I completely agree because I feel like um, that was a big part of episode two was... Um, I feel like the Jedi were kind of tricked into being the the generals and commanders for the army. Because for hundreds of thousands of years, they've aligned themselves as the protectors of the Republic... But even in episode two, you know, Mace Windu says, you know, we're not soldiers. Like, we're peacekeepers. And that's a Mm -hmm. constant theme of being like, oh, we're peacekeepers. We're not soldiers. We're peacekeepers. And, um, but you also have to think that when it came to constructing the Grand Army, now you're in the middle of a war. Who's going to lead it? Well, the Jedi are the only ones qualified. And I do know in, there's a couple like legends books where it's like republic commando or any of the clone wars books where it kind of talks about how the jedi almost felt guilty if they didn't involve themselves in the war because they were sending innocent men the clones to their death and that if they could you know lead the the armies and try to stop the war before it escalated any further then they could stop clones from dying but You know, that ends up being their ultimate trap is just by even participating in the war, they were forgoing all of their actual beliefs. You know, they were becoming soldiers. Their entire order became the military. There was no sense of, you know, what their original purpose was. And I think Palpatine absolutely knew that. And that's part of their their trap is, you know, war feeds into the dark side which clouds the Jedi perception so the Jedi get sucked further and further down so they can't see the manipulation of Palpatine and then ultimately when order 66 is committed they're completely blindsided and like that's such a good plan it's so good <laughs> like it's so it's awful obviously cuz order 66 kills 99% of all Jedi so like that's really effective that's really mm-hmm. like, I don't know anything else that is honestly that effective of a contingency. But Palpatine was able to do it, so good for him.
1: And he smiled the whole way. Yeah. That he smiles is... so
0: creepy. Well, good. So like good. I was thinking about that when I was re-watching it. The you know, the film starts and they're rescuing Palpatine. And the moment like Anakin and Obi-Wan get into the room where Palpatine is. He's kind of like cracking jokes or he was like, oh, it's, you know, Count Duke was a Sith Lord. Like, how are you going to do this? And then, of course, everyone's like, Sith Lords are a speciality, which are literally saying that to the Sith Lord, but okay. And the entire time, like, I feel like Palpatine is just a little too easy breezy about being kidnapped. Like, if if he wasn't involved, I think he'd be a little bit more like, oh, my God, like, the leader of the separatist alliance literally kidnapped me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the battle has moved to Coruscant, which is supposed to be like the safest place for their public. We just kind of like, oh, Anakin, (laughs) you
1: got to
0: do it. You got to kill him.
1: (laughs) That was actually my favorite um, Palpatine-Anakin exchange where he's like, are you going to kill me? And Anakin's like, I certainly want to. Oh, yeah, I
0: really would up. like to do that. He's like, I know you would. <laughs> I can feel your anger. Yeah, that's like yeah, the I mean, can right? feel your
1: anger. That whole scene after that got really
0: graphic. I th- <laughs> I think it's
1: that, I can feel it growing. Like what are you feeling grow, dude?
0: That no. Honestly, after um like Anakin kills Mace Windu and like pledges himself to be palpatine's apprentice is that samuel jackson yeah and um he's like all deformed now because of like the the force (laughs) lightning and he's like force lightning he's like oh and it's like (laughs) dude like are you getting off on the fact that this like kid that you've been like grooming for years is finally on your side like jesus christ calm down
1: poor samuel L. jackson the whole time man he's like i don't like anakin i don't like anakin anakin killed you which no. is
0: interesting because in clone oh, wars anakin. no anakin killed him right anakin like cut his hand off and then palpatine was like lightning out the window yeah okay But it's interesting because, like, Anakin and Mace work together a couple times in Clone Wars. And their dynamic's really interesting because, like, obviously Mace is, like, older. Like, I think at this point he's, like, in his 50s. And Anakin in this film is 22 years old. So, like, yeah, you'd be kind of annoyed by having this, like, emotional hot-headed kid at the same, like, military rank as you kind of pulling off these, like, crazy-ass stunts with your clone troopers. While Mace is, like, the second in the council, just under the Grandmaster Yoda. So he's kind of like, who the fuck is this kid? (laughs) And, like, already, they were already so um, suspicious about Anakin being the Chosen One from the very beginning. And to see him grow up and still be so emotional, still not be, like, the perfect Jedi. You know, I could see where Mace would be like, I just, like, I just don't trust him. Like, if you're already having doubts about Palpatine, and you're like, wow, the dark side really surrounds the Chancellor, maybe we shouldn't have the Chosen One be hanging out in his private office all the time. Seriously, why did they send Anakin up there at the
1: end to be like, can you go do a little spying for us? Can you you just get a temperature check on Palpatine? We think he's kind of gone cray cray, but... I'm going to send the other cray-cray person in the room up there to check the cray-cray level.
0: Like, I can understand if, like, you're the entire Jedi Order, you already don't like to involve yourself in politics, and you're really trying to, like, distance yourself from the Senate and the Chancellor, but you've had suspicions that something's not right about Palpatine. I can understand that you would kind of want, like, a mole to kind of, like, give you the the background on his dealings. And that's why the the mission had to be like very hush-hush and it couldn't be on record because then it would be the Jedi Order admitting that, you know, something's not right in the Senate and that's, that's too much.
1: Well, and something's not right with the Jedi. Like they're not, like you said earlier, they're not at 100% capacity. Like something's going on with, with their mind tricks they're not working like they should.
0: Yeah, and I definitely think it is a little hypocritical to multiple times in the film they're like Anakin like f- fear of loss is a pathway to the dark side. Like these emotions you're feeling are just leading you down this path. But also I feel like lying and sneaking around and um you know mistrust and all of those feelings those are very negative emotions and they're being fully felt by the Jedi council. So I'm like, okay, like you're not really any better than, than Anakin is. Yeah. You don't have like a wife. And you don't kill kids. Yeah. You don't, you don't kill kids, but, um, twice um, now he's killed kids twice now. Oh, he's, he's killed in the comics and books. Darth Vader has ended up killing a lot of people. But I will say not to justify Anakin killing those kids in the in the temple. Watch but, it. Mia. Um I mean I already don't like kids, so
1: what what else can I say? But side note, Mia didn't like kids when she was a kid. She hated being around other kids.
0: Yeah. So this is nothing like new coming out of my mouth. But and the way Anakin justified in his mind killing the kids because that was Palpatine was like when you go to the temple you're going to kill all the Jedi even the padawans and the younglings was because Palpatine was like you know technically not only would they grow up to be Jedi if they um survived but they are the ultimate victims of the Jedi order because they were stolen from their homes as babies they were raised in this cult so they are the purest sense of the jedi's mind washing and you know it's almost like a a justice to kill them to free them from that pain of of being slaves to the jedi order which is like so manipulative but it's an effective tool if you've been grooming anakin as long as you have and You know that that's kind of Anakin's case of his entire time in the Jedi Order. He's been tried to be uh, fed these Jedi ideals, but has never really grasped onto them. And he's kind of looked down for it, that he wasn't found as a baby. He wasn't raised to have no emotions. So he goes into the temple being like, you know, I'm I'm doing these kids a favor. Which, that shows also, like, how quickly, once he made that decision to become a Sith, that darkness, like, festers. Well, speaking he can make of- like Metaphors about mental health and all that crap, but... That
1: was... I actually thought about that the entire time. It was like, I wish we had recorded this for May during Mental Health Awareness Month. Because that boy could have really used some assistance a mind healer
0: a mind healer yeah use he it because there's a conversation he has with padme where he's like i feel lost i'm i'm not the jedi i'm supposed to be like i i want more i know i should like those are all cries for help yeah cries for help and Padme's like come back to me like is is definitely multiple times is giving him the option to turn back to not go down this path. And even Obi-Wan does that as constantly um, trying to see the good in him of, you know, before they part and Obi-Wan goes to Udapau, he's like, you know, I've raised you since you were a boy. I'm so proud of you. I could never have imagined that you'd become the Jedi that you are and all I'd ever hoped to be. And, um, but you can also see that, like, even with, like, the love of Obi-Wan who he's views as a brother, the love of his wife, like it's still not enough.
1: Right. Well, when you're in a, you're deep into men- mental illness, you could have everyone love you. You could have a perfect life, but there's nothing you can do to change how you're, or change what your perception of yourself is. And I speak from experience. So.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely think that you can see how Anakin, I always think about in, um, A lot of the novelizations, and I wish that they brought this up in the films more. It's a one line that Palpatine says of like, you remember what you told me about your mom with the Sand People? In like a lot of the books, Anakin like is obsessed with remembering about the Sand People. And it's not an intentional obsession. It's his mind constantly reminding him that he massacred. Mm. an entire village and that he wasn't um he wasn't there to save his mom that he was he wasn't good enough to save he wasn't good enough to save her is as his mind has created an obsession with reminding him about how you know how late he was how he was never strong enough he'd never be strong enough to save his mom and then by extension now that he's having these visions about padme it's going to happen all over again and i really appreciate that because I think a lot of people could just easily write off Anakin as being very whiny and very, um, he he is kind of clueless a little bit. I will say that in this film, he's always like, what do you mean? And even in the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, literally the scene where Palpatine is like, yeah, I'm the Sith Lord. <laughs> Every other line out of Anakin's mouth is, what do you mean? And it's like, Anakin. It is what it is. He's Anakin. saying what he means. <laughs> like, what do you mean, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like, just stop being clueless. But um, I, I'm just obsessed with this idea that it's been brewing in him for so long. Because I think that was one great thing about the Clone Wars was the TV show really helped us see the journey of Anakin becoming Darth Vader. But it would be in very small moments of maybe he would just get a little too aggressive with a a separatist leader. Maybe he'd get a little too emotional about Ahsoka. These like little hints of like bigger problems that just slowly grew and grew. Because if you just watched episode two and then you got episode three, you're like, okay, like that was really quick for Anakin just to be like, all right, yeah, I'm bad. Mm But in the context of the entire journey, you're like, okay, the signs were there. Like, it was just finally getting to that point where the final straw that was going to break Anakin's back was losing Padme. And, like, that's such a big deal for him. Like, it's not just, like, a little tiny thing.
1: Well, not to jump, but then
0: why did he try killing her? So I... I will say there is a concept art for Revenge of the Sith that, I, once again, I wish they had done. And basically, it was the reason why Padme went to Mustafar in the first place was because she was going to kill Anakin. Oh. Because the concept art is her standing there and she's got a knife in her hand. And the original, like, blocking of the scene was that when she would get there, you know, they would hug and she would kind of hold the knife, like, behind him, like, Trying to psych herself up to stab him, but then it would kind of be like her folly of, you know, she loves him too much. Mm. She she couldn't do it, which then that would be great development for her character because that's her biggest weakness is, um, her blind love for Anakin. Which vice versa, it's both of their greatest weaknesses. But I definitely feel like, you know, Obi Wan. Okay. Anakin goes to the apartment after he's killed everyone, all the kids, all the kids. And he's like, he's like, yeah, like the Jedi are corrupt. Like, you know, the war's going to end like every like it's it's all going to be fine. And Padme's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like you like you're skipping a couple of details. And he's like, don't worry about it. Like, I'm. I'm going to go to Mustafar and that's where the separatist leaders are hiding. And I'm going to end this once and for all. And like, we can be free, you know, we can be husband and wife out in the open. Like, it'll all be fine. And well, he also said we can rule the, the universe. Yeah. We, yeah, we can rule together. <laughs> and Padme like, no, thanks. And then Obi-Wan shows up and you have to think in that context, he's technically a fugitive at this point. Like the, empire propaganda now is that if you see a jedi like they're corrupt they'll kill you they're they're evil wizards and they're going to use their powers to um bend you to their will and now one has just shown up on your doorstep even though he's like one of your closest friends you know obi-wan shows up is basically like hey your husband is evil he just killed children Um, Palpatine is the Sith lore that we've been looking for. The democracy that you've been trying to defend your entire life has never existed. Like, in just, like, a span of, like, a couple minutes has basically just destroyed Padme's life. And it it wasn't even, like, a life that she wanted, but it was the life that she was maintaining because she couldn't have what she really wanted with Anakin. So it was kind of like this facade of what she was doing while the war was waging on and any possibility of that life that she really wanted with him was now gone. So now she's going to go to Mustafar because she's like, you're going to go kill him, aren't you? And he's like, I got to do what I got to do. <laughs> right. So I, I can understand if if love is your greatest weakness, you'd be so desperate to to keep it. Of trying to believe the best in someone. So I feel like that's what Padme does. She goes to Mustafar, is like, you know, please tell me that what Obi-Wan said isn't true. Please tell me that the person that I love hasn't died and is now replaced with this monster. And then Anakin is just like, you know. Bitch, please. Yeah, don't listen to (laughs) Obi-Wan. Like, he's trying to turn you against me. And then when, uh, the Obi Wan just shows up, at the shows top up and rails. Like, seriously, with his hands oh on my his God. hip. I, I, <laughs> I think that is so fun. It's such a, it's such a Obi Wan thing to do, but I definitely could see where. In they don't talk, and what's again? It's another thing that they don't talk about in the movie, but it's in the novelization. Is there's a scene between Anakin and Palpatine. Where Palpatine's like, oh, there's a rumor that um a senator and a Jedi are in a relationship. And he's like, oh, who? Like thinking it's it's him and Padme. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, it's um, it's about Obi-Wan. Like there's Uh-oh. a rumor that, that Obi-Wan is and a senator are in a relationship. And Anakin's like, oh, who is he? Which then I'm like, Yes, bisexual Obi-Wan confirmed (laughs) but um Anakin's like no not he she though so basically Palpatine's trying to convince Anakin that Padme and Obi-Wan are having an affair
1: well that's what I was wondering I mean from Anakin's point of view if all of a sudden you see this guy in the in the house in the the ship or whatever the plane like standing there like I just conquered your wife you know
0: well, I even guess, earlier in the film, like Anakin's chilling in the apartment, and he's like, "Obi Wan's been here. I smelled him. I, yeah, I sense him. He sensed you and McGregor walking around your apartment. Mm, I'd sense him too. Yeah, I'd be fine with that.
1: But he looked so good in this film. Side right? note, oh, oh my so good. His God, hair, his hair. Like,
0: I think my compared favorite- to Anakin, who looks greasy and hot the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, Anakin looks like he has never taken a bath during the course of this war. And Obi-Wan looks like he goes to like a spa every week. Yep. He has his hair
1: professionally blow-dried every morning.
0: Uh, like his I honestly, I was thinking about it when I was re-watching it. There's when he's on Utapal and he's talking to like the Utapal one and he's like, oh, I just need to refuel my ship. Like there's a a shot where it's just you and mcgregor looking up i'm like that is the most beautiful man <laughs> i've ever seen like i like i paused it and i just stared at it for a second i was like wow i was like i can't wait for the kenobi show now
1: when he was riding on that fun iguana thing uh, boga so cute i loved the little noises it made he looked pretty good on it i'm like this is a good scene i like this
0: i i love that scene because like that's a fractal so it's my favorite Star Wars critter, but it's a female Veractyl. Her name is Boga. And in the novelization, he picked her because she like basically had like a need to follow orders and like a drive to make her master happy. And hmm, so he's like a like, dog. Yeah, very very much like a dog of like, I want to make my owner happy. Yay. Um, I just and I love her so much. And that's what makes I think the start of Order 66, of when Anakin's betrayal starts, of where Commander Cody gets the order and shoots at Kenobi, and then Boga falls, and she's, like, screaming. And I'm like, my baby. But we don't see her die. She just gets in the pool. Maybe she went swimming. True. I really really don't want to think about her die. Like, I love her so much. But um, like now, do you want to talk about what you think about Order 66? I guess
1: it seems like an awfully complicated thing to factor in when you were making the clones. But I guess it does make sense that they'd have some sort of like switch that could be controlled like that i guess i don't know i didn't like how everybody had to get a personal phone call <laughs>
0: like, yeah honestly that's order my 66 thinking. okay thanks that's the thing uh, that, uh, that hello order 66 me is like when he calls cody he's like commander cody now was the time xt order 66 in Clone Wars, when Rex gets the call, apparently during that call where he's given the order, Palpatine is explicitly like, Hey, I know Ahsoka is not in the Jedi Order, but I need you to kill her. Like, gives additional information t- to Rex of like, Hey, like, Order 66, also, I need you to tack on this little like extra thing. Bullet point. Then in Bad Batch, we don't get, like, a personalized Order 66 <laughs> order. It's literally, we just see um, Clone Captain Grey. He has the hollow projector. He opens it. It's Palpatine saying, execute Order 66. He closes it, and then is like, pew, pew. <laughs> so it's like, did certain... Did you have to be, like, a commander to get the personalized message? Because at that point, Rex was a commander... And if you're, like, a captain or any rank lower, you just get, like, the stock footage message of War 66. And it's like, kind of
1: like when you're at Disney and you want a birthday call. So Goofy calls you and is like, hello, happy birthday. And it's like, you know it's recorded. But the kids are like,
0: it's real. Goofy called me. And you're like, no, bitch. That
1: was a recording.
0: But like, did he pre-record them? Because my whole <laughs> thing is that Yoda – Yoda, Ahsoka, like, a lot of the Jedi all at once feel the deaths. Like, they they compare it to, like, you know, a void in the force of, like, feeling all the lives of the Jedi just snap out of existence at once. So, it's not something, like, he called Cody and then, like, he felt... Obi Wan died, and he's like, "All right, now I gotta call Commander Bakara. Hey, Bakara, can you kill Kiadi Mundi? Okay." And then Kiadi died. Hey, Commander Bly, I need you to kill Ala Sakura. Like, it's not like, beep, this, beep, 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 beep. yeah, in the span of like twenty minutes, you're like, "Okay, this person died. This like, it's supposed to be all at once." That's not how die. it seemed in the movie. Exactly, it's not how it seemed. Um, is that something that I'm gonna fight George Lucas on? No, because there's a lot more I need to fight him about before I get to that point. I would say the number one thing I'd like to fight George Lucas about is um why is one of the three genres of Star Wars music called jizz? <laughs> I didn't know that. Because it's jazz. But jizz. Yeah, it's called jizz. Yeah. Or um like the the word for steel. The Star Wars word for steel is is like transparisteel. Why I just steel? Just call it steel. Anyway, that doesn't show up in this movie, but I just had to I had to let George Lucas know that if he's listening, um you and I need to have a chat because those are like my two biggest uh beefs I have with you, I guess. Which that's not saying a lot, but I'll still fight you on it. Can I ask a question? Um, Yes.
1: Why didn't Obi-Wan kill Anakin when he's burning alive on the gravel? Like, why didn't he just go, I'm going to put him out of his misery? Like, there's one point where you see Anakin reaching out to Obi-Wan, like, help me. Help me.
0: And Obi-Wan just, like, walks away, like, oh, well. I think part of him was like, oh, he's going to die. Like, no one can survive that. But he should have, like, done the job if he thought that. I, I definitely think that... I know if I was in his position that I had just been... Because betr- even Yoda... Once again, Yoda, given these people orders to just... He's given Luke the order to kill Vader... And I was giving Obi Wan the order to kill Vader, like Jesus. Um <laughs> he's like, Yeah, you gotta kill him. Like and Obi-Wan's like, no, he like he's my brother. Like I raised him, I I don't think I can do it. I'm gonna chop his legs off, but that's cool. Well, it was Anakin's fault because Obi Wan had the high ground in the story. Both literally and figuratively. And, like, yeah, like, that was... It was clearly bait. So, like, you can see that intent from Obi-Wan of, like, I'm gonna get you. Like, I'm (laughs) gonna gonna kill you. But then I also think seeing, like, the person you love crawling out of lava and being burnt and hearing their cries and pleas of, you know, please, like, save me, Master. Like, please. And that's why Obi-Wan is, like... You were my brother. Like, I loved you. You were supposed to... Um, you, were yeah. you were the chosen one. Yeah. You were that chosen one. It was said you would destroy the if not join them. But you, like, Obi-Wan walks away from that encounter so emotionally exhausted. Like, I feel like even more f- than physically, because they've been fighting for like 10 minutes in one of the most beautiful fight scenes I've ever seen in my entire life, that Still, just for it being, you know, 16 years old now, it's still like one of the most stunning scenes I've seen in any movie. But like, he looks terrible. Like he's covered in like soot. Yeah, his and his little robe. He's got he's got holes in his little uh, tunic. But he's like crying. He's like, I I can't believe he did this. I can't believe that this is. What our relationship has come to. I will say, though, also, like, Obi-Wan did know that, like, Palpatine was coming. Like, he knew that, like, reinforcements were on the way. How did he know that? In the novelization, it talks about, like, him seeing, like... I didn't read the book. How am I supposed to know that? In the novelization, it talks about, like, how he he senses that Palpatine's coming. And so he's like, I gotta skedaddle. I gotta get (laughs) out of here, because... You know, I'm. Zoinks! I'm, yeah, I'm public enemy number one. But um. Also, he gets back and he's like, <laughs> like I could not imagine what it'd be like for Obi Wan, who just went through like as emotionally traumatic event as that was, and then C three feels like, Padme's dying. I need you <laughs> to get on the ship. She's lost the will to live. So I I want to ask you about your opinion on, the padme's death and vader's rebirth because i have a theory but i want to know if maybe you might have the same theory are you speaking of the weird labor cone that
1: padme had on no along with jimmy smith's literally being at her feet seeing everything like like foot four king jimmy smith's
0: <laughs> i love jimmy smith so much yeah p- poor bailman. man like it, honestly it it wasn't going great because he's one of the people in the senate that like knew someone was up but the moment he goes to the jedi temple and the clones are like you need to leave and he sees them kill that jedi mm-hmm, they're like the kid which fun fact that's george lucas's son yeah. huh. zet lucas so george Ooh. lucas killed his own son in a movie but um <laughs> but like from that moment on that's Shakespearean. Pretty much until, until Alderaan is blown up, Bale is just, like, going through it. Because even though, like, yeah, like, now he has a daughter, yay! It's so great, because, like, his wife had, like, illnesses as a kid, and so, like, she couldn't conceive, but they always wanted a kid. So, like, now that they have a daughter, they have a family, like, yay! But you also have to think, like, that's Vader's kid, Like, Mm -hmm. that's such a huge secret. So now you're kind of living with this, like, fear your entire life. And then she grows up to be Leia, who's, like, rambunctious and is a badass. Totally. (laughs) Poor Jimmy Schmitz. But, um. Go back to your theory. Oh, yeah. So what, what do you think about how it was shot that as Padme's dying, Vader's reborn? That's a good question. It kind of reminds me of
1: the scene where um, Kylo Ren is dying, or no, Ray's dying, and Kylo Ren gives her the life force, so she lives. But then he dies. Like, I wonder if it has something like that going on, where Padme dies, and somehow mystically, the her life force keeps him alive.
0: Well, so that. That's my theory. It's not confirmed. Really? Yeah. So my theory is that Palpatine was the one like basically draining the life out of Padme mm-hmm. and putting into Vader. And I had heard that theory. I was like, I don't know, like I just I was like, We we know with some like Sith magic that can kind of do that, but like it's not <laughs> Magic. Yeah him being like... But I honestly, I didn't feel like it was really solidified in my mind until Rise of Skywalker because you see Papati literally sucking the the milky life Mm. out of Ben Solo and Rey and he's like rejuvenated. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like, now that has some like validity in that claim because that makes sense of why Padme is... She's just dying. (laughs) she's losing the will to live and like i think if it's trying to be shakespearean you can make the argument that you know she's dying of like a broken heart she's she's lost the will to live in terms of there's nothing left for her
1: but i think she's too strong to do that right
0: like she wants to do what's best for her kids well, because origin- another original concept for the movie was that she would live. Mm. And because that's why in Re- Return of the Jedi, when Luke's like, do you remember your mother? And Leia's like, oh, I I did. She died when I was very young. It's because she physically did raise them for a little bit. Oh, okay. And then they got separated. But that was another concept that was taken out. Because in that concept, it would have been that Padme would have been a part of the start of the rebellion in the very early years but i feel like that's too dangerous to keep padme alive because then that becomes vader's like biggest arc in the span of the empire is his obsession with trying to bring padme back to life right like that's why um, palpatine gifts him mustafar as like his homestead he builds a castle ...that is fueled by the dark side. Basically tries to do, like, Sith occult magic to bring Padme back. Like, is obsessed with Sith artifacts that can bring back to people back to life. Uh, Tries to uncover the secret of immortality, just like Palpatine said. Like, that becomes, like, his... I'd say that is, like, his number one, like, hobby he's doing in the Empire. Number two is, like, hunting down Jedi... number Number three is macrame yeah number three is like choking people out or something (laughs) i don't know but like homeboy becomes obsessed with it and i feel like if you were palpatine though obsession definitely does relate to the dark side in terms of like possession Mm. if you're you're trying to keep vader on your side wouldn't you want to like give him bits and pieces of information to keep him hungry and i feel like that could be the ultimate torture for vader is knowing that like his wife um died so he could live and now he's more machine than man in a suit that is designed by palpatine to constantly torture him like he's not comfortable in that suit no like it's literally torturing him 24/7 to keep him angry to fuel the dark side. And I and I love I love how like meaningful that scene is of him being reborn and seeing Padme die and then you have the funeral and she's buried with the japor snippet and you're like, "Oh my god." Which I actually I recognized
1: Mia, "Aren't you proud I'm, of I'm so me?" Proud of I was you. like, "Hey, what's in her hand?" <gasps> I
0: recognize
1: that. Um, I thought it was yeah, weird how her stomach was like all pronounced.
0: That's because the whole thing is that she would die pregnant. So Vader didn't know about the baby. Uh, so that then I right. wouldn't go looking for him. That's right. So Got like it. that's so that's so deep and that's so like, oh my God. And then like the one of the last scenes is Vader, Palpatine and a CGI Tarkin looking out on the like scaffolding of the death star and he's just like yeah All right. yeah <laughs> this is good this is yeah he's like this moon is going to be pretty big
1: <laughs> we're going to see it a lot in the next
0: movies so which like i i understand why george lucas did that it's because it's fan service of being like, "Oh, it's the Death Star. That's how the Death Star started." Because when um, Mace and the other Jedi enter Palpatine's office, he's like looking at like screens and he's looking at the plans to the Death Star. Like it had been in development secretly during the time of the Republic. So yeah, you want to be like, "Oh, it's the Death Star." Ooh. Took the first one took nineteen years to build, but the second one just took like a couple years. Okay, but it's still like. I guess it's just a conflict of, like, information, because then in, like, the canon and Legends books, you find out how many people, like, didn't think the Death Star was worth it, and how it was a waste of money and resources. <laughs> this and, all goes back uh, to human
1: resources, baby.
0: Like, I, I've i been listening to the Thrawn audiobooks, and those are really good, but, like, wh- the first one is literally just, like, who the hell is Thrawn? We're not there yet. <laughs> uh, I'm like, yeah, I, at you're, first you're I'm not like, ready did for she Tron? say the blue Tron, man or did she say no? Fawn. The blue man with the with the red eyes, the little figure I got at Galaxy's Edge.
1: Okay. Oh, it I know was, who you're talking about, but I don't remember where he was in a movie.
0: He's not in the movie. It's, God damn it, Mia! How am I supposed to keep up? You got me. Um But I I like it because that's like the biggest. Gripe in the the military in the empire is people being like the Death Star is just a, a money void, like it's stupid. Like, they're Imperials are like, Yeah, the Death Star is stupid. It reminds like, me of the building hates
1: it. on I 4
0: in Lake Mary. Oh, Florida. the I- <laughs> honestly, yeah, it, it took is, like 30 years to the, build. Is
1: the I 4 eyesore? I 4 eyesore. Google it if yeah. you're not familiar with it. Yeah, it's been. I mean, even before Mia was born, they were building it. Um, And it's like the biggest joke in Central Florida.
0: That honestly is the Death Star. (laughs) Like, um, like Thrawn has like a military project that he's trying to get funding for and it's for these like special tie fighters. And literally everyone in the military is like, yeah, that would be better use of money. And resources and time because, you know, ships can help patrol systems. We don't need a big-ass space station <laughs> that can destroy a planet. Like, that, that just seems like a waste. And why does it have to be this big? But apparently that really was appealing to newly reborn Vader, who's just now a bad guy.
1: All of his fiscal responsibility went out the space window.
0: I mean, Anakin didn't seem like the type that was really good with money. I feel like that was Padme's job. And well, they were both
1: wearing a lot of leather, which I'm thinking is not cheap. So
0: true. I mean, especially because like Anakin wore like dark colors, and like that's not common in the Jedi. So I feel like he got it special ordered. Like, seriously, people, he's wearing all black. Like, how hard is this? I remember in Clone Wars when he switched from his like blue and red ensemble and he had like some armor like up top to like the outfit that he wears, like the same colors. And I remember that was a big deal because I was like, I was like, oh my God, like, there it is. Foreshadow. There it is. It start. Ooh. And then, like, especially in Season 7, because then, like, they grew out his hair to Revenge of the Sith level. And they changed his costume a little bit to, like, be that costume. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, it's so dark. But then also at the same time, you're like, how did no one just <laughs> think for a s-? Then again, has any Star Wars character ever really just sat down and thought about the problems or talked about their problems no and no. nobody's doing the intervention clearly so i mean that honestly if they had just had an intervention with anakin and had forced him to go see a therapist it would have been fine the john williams score in this film <laughs> i just I, I need to quickly say it every single piece he did is so good like Phantom Menace was good. Then Attack of the Clones was better. And then Revenge of the Sith, like, out of the park. Like, it's so good. I I don't know, like, what Liquid Fire was just... Oh, like, it's so freaking good. That and getting a little bit more to more Morrison. I, I saw him good. quite a bit. Yeah. Commander Cody. Um and then, like, a couple other clones, definitely not as much as, like, attack the clones, but I like watching Revenge of the Sith because then it it's like, wow, I need to be so thankful for Tamora Morrison's face because it gave me Captain Rex's face. And, like, every—I imagine it's, like, how Catholics or, like, really religious people wake up in the morning and they, like, say their prayers and they're like, you know, I'm thankful for this that is the thing I'm thankful for is Tamora Morrison's face and John William's score. So God bless you. Mate. But overall, what'd you,
1: what'd you think of this film? I really liked it. I think there are some parts that could have been sped up a little bit, but other than that, I thought it was really good. And it really gives a good explanation of why he was, Anakin was so tortured and what eventually led to him going to, um, end up becoming Darth Vader. So.
0: so out of the prequel trilogy, where do you feel like your ranking is for all, all three films? This was, my, was, was
1: your... my top film in the three films.
0: That's good. I like to hear it. I'm That's getting fun. there, Mia. I'm getting there. Well, so, yeah, speaking of that, so now that we finished the prequels, you, you have two options all of right. how we can go next. We can do the sequels. So do seven, eight, nine. Or we can do the two standalone films, which take place in between episode three and four. So you can kind of fill in some of that information. That's Rogue One and Solo? Yes, that is. Good job. Thank you. Gold
1: I think Star. I actually want to watch Rogue One and Solo next. All right. that
0: right. I'm fine with that because Rogue One, so good. Yeah, so next time when we meet, um, I will gush more about Bad Batch, but we will mostly discuss <laughs> Rogue One. May the Force be with you. And also with me.